You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. For more on building optimal performance into your life, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage that I kind of want to keep to myself. Natural Stacks. Natural, Natural Stacks. Stacks. Shout out to the guys over at Natural Stacks. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy, and I want to welcome in today's guest, Dr. Amy Johnson. Amy, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So for our listeners, um, Dr. Amy Johnson is a psychologist, uh, life coach specializing in uh, eating disorders, behavioral changes. Um, She's the author of a couple of books, Being Human, and then the newest one is uh, The Little Book of Big Changes. And that's a really cool title. And we're going to talk a lot about um, addiction, behaviors, changes as we get going. So um, for you guys uh, listening, sit back, enjoy this one. Before we do that, you guys know the drill. Go to OptimalPerformance.com so you can see the uh, video version of this, links, show notes, any of the resources that Amy shares with us today. We'll have links um, to her website and any of the resources that she talks about for you guys. Um, Also, if you have not done so, please, uh, while you're on the site, sign up for our VIP club so that you can stay up to date um, with everything that we're bringing you to help you optimize your life. And head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show. All right, Amy, let's do this. All right, I'm ready. So on your website, you have something really cool. Uh, We absolutely love this and agree with it. you know, your philosophy is that that as a human, that, that you are well, your your default setting is health, peace and calm. Tell us a little bit more about uh, that philosophy and, and your practice. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, that was huge when I kind of saw that, heard it, however, that came about um, several years ago, because like a lot of people, I'm sure people that are listening can can kind of relate to this. I sort of grew up thinking, okay, I mean, obviously I was into psychology, like even from a young age, I studied as a psychologist. So I knew that people could change and become better and and be happy and kind of learn to cope with things. And that's, that's sort of the framework I always thought, like, that's how I thought it worked. I sort of thought, all right, I came out healthy. We all seem to come out okay. But then like mentally healthy and calm and resilient and all that. But then, you know, stuff happened, like my parents got divorced, and then I got insecure about this, and then this happened, and and it felt like it was chipping away at my health. And so I thought, well, let me go become a psychologist so I can learn how to do a bunch of stuff and try to get some health back, because it's slipping away from me. I can feel it as I grow up, you know, mm-hmm. let me try to go do a bunch of stuff or learn some practices, learn some behaviors so that I can kind of cope with all this crap a little bit better. And and so it always felt like, all right, there's something being eroded here and, and we can grasp and try to fix it. And to kind of turn that on its head, which is that statement you just said, that we are fundamentally healthy by nature, no exceptions. That blew my mind when I first heard that. So it's like, wait a minute. Okay, so 
I've, I, there's nothing being chipped away. <laughs> like, yeah, we experience stuff for sure. Absolutely. I have insecurities now that I didn't have when I was born. We all do. But what if, you know, what if we actually, there's a part of us that is always well, and that's always there. Like that peaceful, clear, knowing how to do what we want to do, just knowing what we want in life, like that never goes anywhere. It's just that as we get older, we think more and more and we get more caught up in our own head. You know, we get caught more up in like, I should do this or I should do that. And, and we get a little confused, but I think it's so huge for people to see that, that just peace and being able to just hang out and be in life that we all had as little kids. We still have that. The only issue is we get a little more caught up in our heads now as adults. Yeah. And so our audience is one that likes to think a lot. We like to, to think faster and we like to be better. Um, so how, what would your advice be to, to try to, I guess, avoid the pitfalls of thinking too much and to try to use that uh, in a positive way? Yeah, that's a great question. Because, um, I mean, thinking is... Thinking is fun and thinking is good. <laughs> like it's right. not a bad thing, obviously, right? So right. we have we have this intellect and logic and reasoning and motivation, all that stuff for a reason. I, I guess the way I sort of look at it now is like kind of seeing what we have working for us a little bit more. So rather than coming at life from this place that's like, I need to make it all work. I'm going to set a goal and damn it, I'm going to do it. Like I'm putting the blinders on and I'm going to push through no matter what. I'm going to make this happen. It's it's more like it's more like seeing, okay, something in me is pulled in this direction. Like this looks awesome whatever this goal or this thing is, you know, I want to do whatever I'm passionate about, that's great. But seeing that we it's not all on us. Like we all we haven't kept ourselves alive our whole lives, you know? I mean, in some ways we have, but there's something running through us that's like beating our hearts and breathing our lungs. We're not doing that right now. And it's the same with other things. We just kind of lose sight of that, I think. So, you know, again, you grow up and you start thinking, oh no, I'm not, I'm not safe in the world. I need to do a bunch of stuff to make myself safe. So it's kind of like taking a step back and relaxing and saying, wait a minute, I, where, I don't know where these ideas come from. I don't put them there. There's obviously something bigger than us that's working through us. And we get to have fun with that. And we get to shape it. And we can play our role for sure. But not, you know, not losing sight of like the bigger wisdom that's always there. It's almost like the, sa- the wind's like behind the sails. And really appreciating that. When we see that, we just kind of tap into it. And I think things get even bigger and easier, you know, from there. So tell us about the book. Uh, the little book of big change. Yeah. So the book is, um, you know, is really inspired. And a lot of the work I do is um, kind of inspired by my own struggles. So the one I write about in the book most is my own, um, I had binge eating disorder for eight years um, off and on, but it was definitely something that I felt really stuck in for the better part of eight years. And I had, kind of tried everything that people try when you have a habit or addiction or whatever you want to call it, disorder. You know, I went to various different types of therapy. They were helpful in some ways, but none of it really did what I was looking for. Um, I tried every kind, you know, I tried every diet, every nutritional plan. I tried like energy healing. I tried like everything you could think of, you know, and what happened is the more of these things I was like chasing, like how do I fix this problem I have? It kind of just 
let me left me feeling more and more hopeless because they would they would be helpful in some ways, but none of them gave me like that true freedom from from my habit. You know, right. it still felt like okay, like I was saying earlier, like okay, I can kind of cope with my habit in this way. Maybe I'll do this instead of binging on this day, and that makes it a little better. But I never felt free of it. It still felt like I had this monster chasing me. You know, it was going to catch up with me at some point. So, um, eventually, I kind of stumbled upon some understanding, kind of a combination of this sort of spiritual understanding that we are healthy and well by nature, but, and we think, and our thinking is what gets us caught up in our habits Mm -hmm. and understanding a little more about how habits kind of are in your brain. Um, and for whatever reason, I had an insight, a series of insights kind of in seeing all this. And I just walked away from my binge eating habit and, that sounds dramatic, but that truly is just the way it was. You know, I mean, it's like, it was very, very quick. It wasn't exactly overnight, but it was, it was pretty quick. And it, and the thing is, it just felt different. It was a, it was a deep shift. Like I knew that, okay, at one point I saw life in this way and now I had this sea change. Like I literally just see things differently and the habit had no appeal anymore at all. Like it just sort of fell away. And so, um, so the book is, is what my best guess looking back at kind of the things that I see differently now that I think helped me. And I say, I think, because I think insight is just this thing that we don't fully have a grasp on. You know what I mean? You just have this aha moment. It's, it's really hard to describe in words sometimes, but um, kind of the insights are the things that I think allowed me to walk away and that I've been talking with clients about in the last few years that I've seen be really helpful for them and walking away from habits and addictions. So if you had to give us like one or two of those big insights, what do you think those would be? Yeah. um, One of the big ones was for me was kind of coming to see that again, if we're, if we have a natural resting place, I call it home base, Mm -hmm. that it's just good. Mm -hmm. It's not caught up in habits. It's not addicted. It's just, kind of peaceful. It's not top of the world, you know, like you're doing a bunch of stuff and you're all enthusiastic either. It's just, it's almost that place where I think a lot of us feel when, like when we first wake up in the morning before we start thinking about what's going to happen in our day (laughs) or that place that you feel right before you fall asleep at night, you know, it's like before thought sort of that if that's our home base and that is a place where we just, you know, we're not riddled with these habits and we can always go back there we go back there when our mind quiets down. So, so seeing that habit is thought, it is literally, it's our mind getting kind of jacked up. It's kind of like keyed up and it starts moving and it, and, and it suggests that we do all these things in order to get back to home base. But coming to see habits and addictions as something that is really a sign of our mental health in a sense. It's our best attempt to feel better. So, you know, I think most of us, I certainly looked at my habit as this huge problem. Again, like, you know, I have an issue, like I'm mentally unhealthy in this way. It's a problem. But but what if it's not? You know, what if our mind gets really busy and we start thinking about, for me, it was binge eating, whatever it is, drinking, getting on Facebook for the thousandth time that day, you know, whatever it is. That's like in that moment, it's our mind's best attempt to just get us to calm down because they do kind of work in that way. When you take a drink or you go numb out online again, you feel a little bit better. 
Now it causes all kinds of problems down the road and you don't feel better for long. So it's a really kind of crappy strategy, mm-hmm. but it does work for a minute and your brain notices that. Your brain's right. like, ooh, you know, she just ate a bunch of food and all these happy chemicals are there. Let's keep doing this. This makes her happy. It's that simple. So kind of kind of coming to see, oh, this is innocent. This isn't me having, this isn't me having all these flaws or me you know, not loving myself enough or all this stuff that, you know, you're kind of told in a lot of traditional therapy. It's, it's my brain doing the best it can to help me feel better. And it's just my brain. It's not me. So it's not that, you know, we are these addicts or we are flawed in all these ways. It's like, no, we're all healthy and we just want to get back to home base. And from a certain state of mind, taking a drink is the fastest way you can see to get there. But once you understand that, you get to kind of move up a level. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. have that sea change and you see, oh, okay, I can naturally get back to home base. I don't need to go to the drink or the food or the habit, whatever, you know, to get there. So do you recommend to your coaching clients, I guess, like a, a bridge habit? You know, when, when, we're, when we're addicted to something, it's very hard to just cold turkey say, all right, I'm, I'm not going to check Facebook again or I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to binge eat. You know, if, if we think about something else or, or if we distract ourselves with some positive habit or positive action, uh, is, is that how you're helping people kind of take that first step or, or is there something else? Um, no, it's, it's, um, it's something else. See, it's, it's just kind of continuing to look at what's happening because when people keep seeing accurately, um, you know, that what happens is you're at home base and then your mind gets really full of a bunch of thought and that thought will calm down on its own. It always does. Like no one ever gets caught up in stuff for life. We, you know, our experience is constantly moving. So that thought's going to calm down on its own. But what happens is that thought gets all keyed up. We start feeling bad and we reach for our habit and we don't give our thoughts a chance. We don't give our mind a chance to calm down on its own. So it's just kind of seeing that this, there's, I hate to say, like, I don't want anyone to misunderstand this, but there's far less of a problem than it looks like there is. All that's happening for any of us is we start to feel bad and then we freak out about our feelings. You know, we have an urge or whatever and we freak out about our feelings. That's the problem. But even that's not a huge problem because we always come back to home base. It's like there's a magnet taking us back. Literally, all human beings, like, are thinking if we just relax in it and know what's happening our thinking will settle down and it will take us back to home base. So it's coming to see that. So, um, I, you know, I think sometimes to give like a bridge habit or something, it's not a, it's not a horrible thing. Sometimes people stumble upon that on their own. And I think their wisdom shows them, okay, do this instead. Like when I, I smoked years ago and when I stopped smoking, I, I kind of just cut down in that gradual way. Everyone said, oh, you have to just throw them all away and start fresh. And I'm, I, my wisdom knew, uh-uh, that's not going to work for me. I need to be able to maybe just light one and then put it out, you know, and just kind of work it that way. And that works. So sometimes that, you know, people's wisdom will just show them something like that. But, but I don't tell them to do that. I think what's better is just kind of seeing things, you know, just seeing what's really happening. And honestly, when people kind of just start to see that, the habits really do fall away. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, that, that the thoughts, you know, are, are our brain's attempt to, you know, find the best solution um, or, or to feel better in that moment. Yeah. 
if if we're going to focus on that thought and and try to realize that it is just a thought and that it's just that it will pass are there practices that can help us quiet our brain i mean do you do you like meditation yoga things like that that can help us you know be better at quieting our thoughts yeah definitely i think um I love meditation and yoga. I think ultimately, and, and I and really, you know, so these conversations that we have, that people have, like when I'm coaching with them, for example, and we're spending an hour at a time just really like getting into a peaceful place. Like it's not a meditative thing, not like, oh, let's do this practice, but, you know, just, just in a casual conversation where they're just kind of calming down about their problems a little bit, which is just their mind calming down. And they're starting to see, oh, okay, well, so every time my mind throws this out or throws that out, like, I know what that is. They just come to get a deeper understanding about what all thought is. That tends to kind of lead people to live in a more meditative place. Now, no one lives there all the time, obviously, but but it's almost like, you know, this is what I see with people is the more they kind of come to get this, when we're talking about these spiritual principles and the truth about how they really operate, they might be living up here at like a five or six mentally, and they might just, just by their understanding, come down and start living at maybe like a three or four, you know? So it's almost a similar effect as someone who meditates for 20 minutes every day might gradually, their set point kind of gradually comes down. I think this understanding does that too. So, you know, for me, like when I'm coaching with people, it's mostly about the conversation, but I definitely think, especially if someone likes to meditate practice yoga, do other things like that. That's really, really helpful. I do. I don't meditate formally, but I'm very into yoga and I can see that in the past year or so of daily yoga practice, my set point has continued to come down, you know, so all of those things are really helpful. Okay. Now with these, I guess, negative thoughts, the, the ones that um, can, can lead to insecurities or, or setbacks, you call these thought mares, right? I have, yeah. Okay, so so tell us a little bit about that. And what are they? Why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah, um, I mean, so I think why we do that to ourselves is just because we're human and we have a brain. <laughs> like anyone, you know, anyone with a brain is going to have some stuff coming out of it that's not so great. But what we can do is kind of come to understand how that works in a little bit deeper way than, than I think probably what a lot of us. So, so probably your listeners are, are obviously kind of more evolved and kind of have thought about these concepts and stuff. But I think if you just go out in the world and talk to the average person, there's this real sense of kind of believing everything that shows up in your head. You know, it's like, well, I don't know, I thought it, so it must be true, you know, or it very much looks like we just think what's out in the world. So it's almost like a, a one-to-one, you know, like a camera kind of metaphor where our brain is taking snapshots of reality, whatever that is, and feeding us reality. So of course we kind of believe what we think because it looks like it's coming from out there. But as we get a little more sophisticated and just curious, I think, just kind of curious about how does it really work to be human? Like how does our, you know, how do we really think things? It's, it's not really like that. It's more like thought arises within us. Some of it's very negative and feels really bad, really limiting. And a lot of it is really wonderful. And our entire lives, every moment of our lives, we're getting like this stream of thought, like this river of thought, you know, and that's what we live in. And that just looks, that's just kind of our reality is all this thinking we're getting. 
And it's so huge to start to see, okay, this is just me being human. Like thought is coming out of my brain because I have one, but it doesn't mean that it's all, you don't need to take it all so seriously. You know, it doesn't mean it's true. And it's not always this accurate reflection of what's happening out in the world. It's, you know, and if we really look, we, we can all notice it's very, our thinking is very, very um, subjective and it's very, it fluctuates. So when you're having a good day, everything's good. You know, you look in the mirror, you think you look good, like things look good. Everything's just looks different. When you're having a bad day, the exact same things can look totally different. So clearly our mind is spinning it in a way, you know, it's not giving us this reflection of life. And so I think starting to get a feel for that is so helpful because basically you just start to take everything less seriously, including all the negative stuff, you know, and knowing too that every, every human with a brain has a bunch of insecure kind of negative thoughts at times. It's just what it means to be human. But, but the le- the more we can kind of just know something about that, the less seriously we take it. I, I like that kind of analogy of like, it's almost like you have these different filters through which you see the world. And, and some days it's a good day, some days it's a bad day. What have you found in your practice and in working with people about, um, you know, the connection with those neurotransmitter levels and, you know, which filter we happen to be looking through on that given day? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think definitely, yeah. Just to see that, that where you are with things creates such a different experience. You know, that's just from a lay person's kind of perspective. I just how they see it like, whoa, I'm seeing things really differently today than I was yesterday yeah. and starting to, yeah, get some idea of why that is. Um, but I guess, I don't know, I guess what I just, where I kind of go with that and like where it seems helpful is to just, again, be in that place where we, we understand a little bit about how the brain works to where we know it's, it's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not like we need to constantly go out and try to change everything. It's more, I think a place of just saying, okay, change happens in the brain. Sometimes I see things this way. Sometimes I see it that way and everything in between and it's okay because the more I can know there's a me in there, under even underneath what the brain's doing, there's a us that's that's peaceful and clear and safe and all of that. Even underneath whatever's going on up there, it just allows you to kind of relax into it and just flow with those changes. And I think the worst thing and the scariest thing for people is when we're afraid of our own experience, whether we understand it or not, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? Why am I thinking this? Why did I fail at this today? Whatever it is, we get all caught up in that. And the truth is, if our experience is like this river that's just running through us, it doesn't make sense to jump in the river and take a bucket of water and say, look at this problem I have. Why did I do this? You know, it's like, well, okay, that's done. Let me look here because there's more experience coming. It's always coming, you know? So why stare at the problem, which is just what we innocently do a lot of times. That's what we, it's what seems like the thing to do. We kind of look at the problem and try to fix the problem. And there may be a time and place for that. But I think a lot of times we can kind of just say, okay, that's what I got. It's just experience moving through me. Let me look up upstream at what's coming next. Cause there's always new stuff and always change coming naturally. Yeah. So in, I guess in your coaching, then how are you able to help people make that shift? It's a lot of just um, teaching and just really coming to understand how it works. Cause this is just something like 
you know, I'm sure in the work you do, like all of us that are in any kind of work like this with people, even for in our own lives, we all see, man, I, it, I really thought I kind of got how this worked, you know, and, but I don't really, you know, just in terms of what our experience is, what it means and, and the misunderstandings and the, you know, yeah, just the misunderstandings are really, really huge. Like you, it really, really looks like when someone does something out in the world or I fail at something or I have a bad day that the way that our human perception kind of system is just set up, like that just looks like that's all we can see in that moment. And it looks important and it looks meaningful and it looks personal. And, you know, we just take it on. And when we can start to see, no, it's, it's almost like I like to use the analogy of kind of a kaleidoscope. So, you know, you can like look through a kaleidoscope, there's this constant stream of light, like light is what brings everything to life. And that's kind of like whatever is breathing our lungs and beating our hearts right now, right? That's always there and it's kept us alive forever. That's what kind of brings us to life in a sense and get, and lets our brain, you know, spit out thoughts and feelings and all kinds of stuff. And so in that kaleidoscope, you just turn it a little bit the other way and you get a totally different picture or you turn it that way and you get a totally different picture. And I think that's kind of how our minds work, you know, is that what we're getting, it's interesting it's nice. It's the stuff of life. But when you really want to make a change or when you want to see things differently, you kind of want to look before that, you know, at like hmm, what's powering this whole system and not hang too much on what you did last week or what you thought yesterday, you know, because again, that's just always changing. So, so in working with, with clients, I think it's a, it's a lot of help, helping people kind of break through the misunderstandings and just kind of come to relax into, you know, and seeing a bigger picture of how our experience is created and where it comes from. Because when we have that understanding, we just naturally leverage it. It's like when you understand how something works, you just naturally use it better, you know, as opposed to before you understand that. Okay. So I'm fairly certain that that everybody listening at some point or another has, has dealt with either... I don't want to say depression, but the blues, they've had, everybody has bad days, down days. We've all had habits that, you know, creep in or, or in some way or another, we want to try to fix them. So what would you tell somebody listening who's either struggling to make a change or kind of on the verge of making the decision to, you know, try to fix or, or I don't want to say fix, cause I guess that implies that there's something wrong, but somebody that wants to make a change. Yeah. Um, I, I would see it's tough sometimes because I think, like you said, we get into a slump, we're feeling really bad or we feel really stuck in some habit and what's natural for us or what's kind of what we've learned, at least it's not natural and that it's innate, but it's, it's what society has told us where we tend to just go is, okay, I need to fix this. I need to make some, I need to do something to make this change, you know, and that that's okay. It's kind of healthy. It probably gets us, you know, motivated and ready to do something. But one of the things I think is really important to just kind of see is, again, if we're looking at the fact that we're already, just assume that we're already by default healthy and habit-free. It's not that we need to do a bunch of stuff to get us back to that state, we need to let the garbage that's in the way, it's just like a block between us and that state. That state is already there. We know how to live without our habits. We know how to just be happy and clear and, you know, like we were as kids. It's just there's interference. 
So you just, it's almost a, it's a horrible advice. I would never say this to a client, but it's almost like when we can just relax and see the interference for what it is, it, it starts to go away and we naturally join back up with what's already there. Okay. So it's not like I get on the phone with the client and say, okay, just relax. <laughs> That'll be a hundred dollars, please. You know, but, but it is, it is that continued conversation and helping them to understand how that works, you know? So I'd say anybody that's like just in a place where they're just ready for a shift, it's, it's hard sometimes because you want to kind of speed up and do some stuff to get you there faster but it's going to be more of a slowing down. It's going to be more of a subtracting and letting things, old ideas, old ways of thinking, you know, fall away rather than an addition of things. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's good news. I don't know, for some kind of higher, you know, more go do it people, that's kind of scary news. But I think that's just the way it works. Okay. I like that. That's that's cool. So, I, I mean, to me, it's almost like... You, it's almost like you have to have an objective view or an outside view looking in to kind of see that. And, you know, for somebody who's like, what is it about our brains that, that doesn't allow us to see that, you know, when it's happening to us? Are we just so, is it the, you know, the, the saying forest for the trees, you know, you're just so zoomed in, you're so close to it or yeah, why, why, why are we so reluctant to, you know, let go of those things? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't You're know the expert. You have to know this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Tell me. <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah. I don't, you know, it's, I, I, there's definitely this movement as we get older. I, I just have this weird kind of, I don't know if it's a memory, like just weird feeling of you're a kid. You're just hanging out in life. There's no problems. And then something happens. And then we like for the first time in our life, we feel like we're not safe. Right. So it's almost like you as we get older, we start to get more and more into our heads and we, we're going to figure things out like, oh, I know what to do. I, I know how to make them like me. I know how to make sure I'm safe. You know, and little kids is just so innocent. Everyone goes through it no matter what kind of childhood you have. But it's like you just get more and more in your head. And I think that just takes root. And I think there's so much in society that's on us and a lot of self-help and a lot of stuff that's like, think this way, do this. So this is how you're going to be successful. You know, that it almost becomes easier in a way to say, okay, well, I clearly don't know anything. Let me listen to what all these other people have to say. And it just, you know, it just points us in the wrong direction and gets us thinking we need to figure it out. So, um, I don't know, but yeah, it is, uh, yeah, yeah I think, I mean, that, that's a, a good, explanation i mean there's there's so much noise out there there's so many things telling you what to think what to eat what to buy how to dress what to drive i mean all that and we a lot of times it can be very easy to lose the ability to think for yourself and you know yeah. it's it's like you said and i think that's why i and we like that saying so much of you know you you are well you are you know you're born with the ability to make these decisions and think for yourself you have all of the programming in you that you need to be able to take care of yourself and as as technology advances and as the world gets smaller and smaller um through technology it just becomes there's just so much chatter and chaos it, it's hard for us to think and you know kind of quiet our mind like you said yeah right. uh, you said it better than i did <laughs> you answered sure. your own question <laughs> well you you got me started on it so what's um Tell us about your writing process then. I mean, how do you, like, how long does it take you to write a book? What's, what's that like? 
Um, oh, I kind of just write when I feel like writing. And that's a, that sounds bad because I mean, I think that can be misunderstood. But I really, there's this weird feeling. I don't know if, um, you know, people that do anything creative, I think maybe have a feel for this where it's like, I just try to like follow the energy of it. So a lot, like just this morning before we got on here, I had an hour and a half and I just, I just wrote because it felt like it was coming out. (laughs) So I let it come out. Now it's not it's not good yet. You know, <laughs> right. it's not complete, right. but I like to kind of just, when an idea strikes me, like just go to work on it. And I have, you know, mil- millions of files of like half baked article ideas and book ideas and stuff that when it comes back, I'll just kind of go flesh them out. So I get a lot of inspiration from the people I work with too, though. So like I, you know, have a client session and a lot of times just two or three ideas from what they say, you know, pop out. So that's kind of easy too. Yeah. Cool. Where can our listeners get more of you? Um, go to my website. I have lots of stuff there. Lots of free articles, lots of free videos, um, lots of free stuff, um, and some other stuff, recorded classes and stuff that I that I have there. But it's at dramyjohnson.com, dramyjohnson.com. And um, yeah, sign up for the newsletter. And every Thursday, I write a new article about these ideas, about how the fact that we're healthy and how to kind of see the forest for the tree, you know, see our thinking as separate from what's our wisdom and something that's bigger. Um, So every Thursday, there's a free article that comes out there. Cool. So we'll have that link on our website too. So you guys listening, um, head over to optimalperformance.com and you can see the video version of this also. Um, If you are not watching, you should watch because Dr. Amy has a really cool bookshelf behind her. It is color coordinated. (laughs) It's my claim to fame. It's my famous backdrop. (laughs) I think it's very cool. I like it. All right. Amy, it's time for your three tips. Uh, If you could tell our listeners three things to live optimal, what would you say? Uh, Know that you are optimal. (laughs) So even on our least optimal days, we all have them. Our least optimal moments, you're caught up in thought. It's not that big a deal, you know? So it's like there's a, you know, we all get caught up in a swirl of stuff and that leads us astray. But when that settles down, we all have an optimal and it is a good place and it's full of clarity and wisdom and resourcefulness and strength and everything you need to do anything. So first one, I guess, is probably just knowing that that's there. Because when we know that's there, we tend to just relax when we're not there a little bit more, knowing that we're going to kind of be drawn back there, you know, and um, another one, let's see. So kind of coming to get a feel for the fact that when we aren't feeling optimal, when we aren't feeling like we're at home base, we're in our heads. And our mind works like a snow globe. Shake it up and it gets really busy and really cloudy and snowy in there. But then if you want it to settle down, you just step away. You just set the thing down and you step away and it comes back down on its own. So it's so normal to think, oh, I have to fix my thoughts. I have to do something. I have to go for a walk and shift this feeling. And sometimes those are great things to do. It's not like those are bad if they're coming to you from your wisdom. But there's nothing you have to do. There's nothing any of us has to do because clarity is our nature. We are going to return there. The optimal state is our nature. Um, A third, let's see. So I think just don't take anything, our obstacles, our, our habits, addictions, even the good stuff too seriously. Because when we can kind of 
be in that place where you know, okay, I live, I, there is an optimal me in here. And then there's all kind of waves on top of that, you know, and sometimes the waves are really violent and really crazy. And sometimes there's not a lot of waves, you know, and it's always shifting though. It's just like weather. It's just like the ocean. Like it's never going to stay the same for long. So knowing that I think just helps us to just kind of be in the flow of life and not get caught up in it and take any of it too seriously. Awesome. Great tips. Amy, thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, For all you guys listening, make sure you head over to optimalperformance.com. You can see the video version of this. We'll have links to Amy's website and some of the other resources that we talked about. And if you guys found this helpful, make sure that you share it with anybody that you know, friends, family, um, loved ones, whoever it might be, so that we can share the message and, and help everyone realize that they are already optimal. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it.